Welcome to Beyond Strange World. I'm Tim Polari back here in the Crawl Space Studios with Lance Reinstein. Now, Lance, how are you today? Doing really well, and I'm really excited about this episode. Not in just a uh, not in just a general way, where it's a super interesting episode and kind of um, y- you know sort of a, a, a messes with your head a little bit as far as uh, in a in a fictional sense because you start thinking about the Matrix and you start thinking about all of these things that may or may not be real, and that that comes to you in a way where it's like, oh, this is science fiction. But as a child going to our small pizza parlor in New Hampshire and going in the back and playing these video games, these arcade style video games, I just started to question everything that that I was starting to get uh, hypnotized by. When, yeah. when I'm watching this episode, I'm starting to see myself in some of these characters when I was like 10 to, you know, 11, 12 years old. Sure. Well, we're the, definitely the right age range for that uh, early 80s video game, Atari video game explosion. And, of course, we're talking about Travel Channel's new show called Strange World. It airs Sundays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Travel Channel. Episode 2 aired last night, Sunday, August 18th. And here we are talking about episode two called Game Over, and we have Christopher Garitano on the line. Christopher, how are you? I'm doing good. Hello. Good. All you? right. Did you like that radio show intro? It's like Yes, I do. Very announcer <laughs> guy. Yeah, it's very old school, <laughs> and which I think is super appropriate for what we're doing here. I feel like a lot of elements of what Christopher does is really old school. It's old school investigating yeah. and old school storytelling. Yeah, and there's so much packed into each episode. You visit uh, multiple people and uh, get, get some interviews, and, and the whole sort of thesis of the episode starts by discussing this video game called Polybius. And if you Google it, it's, it, calls it calls it fictional, but there might be a little bit more to it, and it's sort of become this urban legend. Was it even a video game? What's going on here? Yeah, where is it? Yeah, so that's that's where your adventure started. That's where your investigation started. Is that correct, Chris? It is. It, you know, a lot of the stories in Strange World begin with some kind of um, some kind of legend, something that's on the fringe, something that not everyone can palate or digest or understand completely. But at its center, there's this factual event happening. So in the case of Polybius, I think out of all of the things we explored in, in Strange World, I uh, I don't think it's that far fetched at all. And to me, it was a great uh, it was a great follow story, you know, to follow after I don't know thirteen years of exploring the Montauk project, really needing to get away from that. Moving over to Polybius, which is seen as this kind of it's it's celebrated as this pop culture legend, and the legend goes that in the early '80s there were these um, test cabinets. Now, this is a fact. There were test cabinets for a lot of new games. And, um, you know, everything from Space Invaders to even Pac-Man were all tested first. These black, nondescript cabinets were brought into arcades to see how well they would play. And then, you know, the companies like Atari would mass manufacture them and put them in arcades all over the United States, all over the world. And so Polybius... Uh, according to the legend, was tested in Portland, Oregon in the very early 80s, you know, around the time of those vector games, like Tempest and stuff like that, asteroids. And so, uh, according to legend, there were kids that played the game, they got addicted to the game, 
it caused headaches, in some cases caused seizures, nightmares, made the kids behave badly. And the legend says further says that this was designed by a uh, you know, big government program, much like the MK Ultra stuff or Montauk Project, to as another way to bring mind control out to the public, or even some other mysterious faction created it. You know, uh, right. there was always this com- this odd company called Sinus Lotion. You know, but it was a, I think it was a front name. Now, a lot of people don't believe in the legend of Polybius. You know, they 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 say it's just you know it's bunk. It, it was made up. But what we discovered along the way was honestly 10 times more terrifying. And I want to make this really clear. Like this episode is not uh, an attack on video games or video game violence or stuff like that. It's, it's not really what it's about. I love games. I, I honestly, you know, I grew up playing them just like you did. Um, I have arcade games in my home right now, like actual cabinets. Oh, cool. But the, the future of gaming is in the virtual world. And to me, Growing up with science fiction, only seeing that stuff in science fiction and now being able to, you know, like go in, t- in a, a subway in, you know, Tokyo in 50 years from now and fight robotic ninjas with, you know, katana blades and pistols is the coolest thing, you know? Like, I, I, I mean, you're physically there. Video games are changing rapidly, and I think everything's going to be in a virtual environment in a few years. You're no longer really going to be playing on these vintage, I mean, unless you want to. But a lot of the future of games is actually partaking in it physically, which is amazing to me. So I love games. I love playing them. But it makes you wonder. Now, you're open territory. You're putting a device on your head or you're focused on this image or you're focused on all of these things. And it's not far-fetched to believe that there's some kind of subliminal suggestion put in these things, just like in advertising, just like in everything else. So we explored that topic because I want to know. You know, like I love playing the games. And I'm not an addict to anything, really. So I can play a game for an hour and put it down, not play for a month, still love it. But I don't have to keep playing. And on other cases, people are. They're stuck to these things. It consumes them. And we explore that, too, as you know, in the episode. Yeah. And uh, you're no stranger to putting uh, weird things on your head. Yeah. Can you stop putting something <laughs> really bizarre on your head and having it affect you your brain? What they want me to do for second season? Right? <laughs> <laughs> just, well, you're just going to give them your head. <laughs> so uh, you went to a place for addicts of games. Which is interesting, and uh, what was it called here? Restart. It was a uh, restart. Re- restart. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, all right, I grew up watching all these David Cronenberg movies, and I walked into Restart, and I'm like, this is the beginning of a David Cronenberg movie. <laughs> like you're in Restart, but there's something really sinister happening. You know, like it just felt that way to me. Um, you know, uh, I was in Seattle. And But, no, there was a lot of wonderful people in there. Because at first, you might think, come on, man, put the video game down and get your stuff together. But that's not how it was. These kids were really consumed by these games, like somewhat, like a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. And it was just a fear situation. These kids just completely lost it. And they believe, they all believe, every kid I talked to in the rehab center believed that there was something covert. There was something behind the curtain with these games, with the games they were particularly addicted to, and all of them were addicted, I think, to the same game. I think they mentioned that they were actually all addicted to the same game. I don't know if it played in the final cut of the episode. No, they didn't mention which um, game. Yeah, when I talked about, we shot a lot more footage than you saw, and, and they really mentioned, they called out the game, and they firmly believed it. 
And so going forward, you know, again, I think the legend of Polybius, as we know it, pales in comparison to what we discover in the episode. It really does. Like, I think we found things that were incidentally more terrifying that we can touch, that we can examine, uh, as opposed to, like, you know, the legend of Polybius. I think the legend of Polybius is a, an archetype of things that are really happening, even worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, before we get into that, I want to touch on something that you said earlier about not being, uh, and this this shouldn't be an episode about violence in video games. This is something that has become pretty topical in the past couple of weeks, past couple of months, about video games possibly yeah. inspiring people to do mass violence, mass shootings because of these first person action games. But this 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 is a completely separate conversation and and I just want to be clear that we're we're not saying that this was specifically done to unlock some sort of violent gene in someone's DNA. No, I think it's it's about uh no. potentially seeing or experimenting on the addictive nature of these games is really what this episode is about. And uh there is one one guy that you speak to at this restart addiction center and he says that games are designed to become addictive and I think that's true. Absolutely. And and if so if that's true, I think the question is who is like there has to be someone good at the heart of designing these or else you could really control the world. Yes. And okay. So I rule out the mass control because a lot of us like, I'm fine. You know, I grew up with violent motion pictures. I grew up with playing with, you know, uh, action figures that were each had a machine gun in their hands. Um, you know, everything, uh, music, aggressive music. I never killed anybody. I, you know, I mean, like I grew up like a normal kid in suburban uh, New York and, um, I got a couple of fights and stuff, but outside of that, it was, it was very normal. And so I don't think removing violence from video games and violence from movies is going to stop people from being violent. That's, it's just never going to happen, but there might be some people out there, uh, by design, let's say there's something put inside a game to suggest very suggestible people, maybe under the influence of antidepressants, perhaps, and, and whoever designs these things are aware of it. Are they made to be addictive? Yes. You know, cigarettes were purposefully, you know, what was it that Jeffrey Wigand had found blown the, blew the whistle on uh, big tobacco and found out that there were they, cigarettes were being made, manufactured to be addictive. They were, they were additives being put into the cigarettes to make them uh, addicted even more so. Yeah. So video games, of course, you know, people want them, you know, the kids to, to, to be playing them. And I think they're unregulated in their design. And so where Aaron Vasquez came in, we wanted to ask her, she's a hypnotherapist. She was trained by Tony Robbins, uh, like, we wanted to ask her, if, okay, so you do all of this therapy through hypnosis, light hypnosis. Could suggestion be implemented into a game? And she 100% believed it. And we go over and we talk to Noel Bushnell, who's co-founder of Atari. He believed that Polybius could have been real. So this isn't far-fetched. I need to interject here. Sorry about that, but... 
that was one of the more impressive moments of the show when you're talking about Nolan Bushnell, who is the co-creator of Atari, and then you follow up with a legit interview. And that was uh, that was really fascinating. Sorry to interrupt. You can continue. I just wanted to put my two cents in. Oh, there. no, not at all. Let's see. Yeah, interrupt me because I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> no, that makes our <laughs> so, job super easy. <laughs> you know, and this is what this is what Strange World is all about. We're going to take these fantastic concepts. We do take them, and 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 you know, for, you'll see future episodes like um, the one next week is about missing people around Mount Shasta. Hey, look, these people really went missing. They're really gone. They really vanished in the thin air, and there's their circumstances baffled experts. So it's like we, each episode is not about this this silly thing that we're trying to prove to be real. We're telling you something happened and we don't know why. And I really want to explore this stuff. And, um, you know, Polybius was something I, I was interested in. A friend had mentioned to me, uh, you know, Hey, you know, like he, he told me the legend and I never really heard of it before, but I grew up playing Atari games and this was already after I explored the Montauk project. So I found it to be fascinating. And of course, video games would be the perfect place to put suggestions. Yeah, I think uh, the, the first episode that you guys had was called Zombie Kids. I feel like this could have been called Zombie Kids Part 2 because this this is another <laughs> method of creating uh, suggestive, uh, not suggestive, but this is another method of controlling um, uh, an adolescent's mind. Yes, and again, it won't have the same effect on all of them. It has to be a very particular type. So I wonder if there is a design for that. I, I suspect that the people who design that suggestion understand who it's going to work on and who it won't. There are different personalities out there. And so you have six, seven kids in a rehab all having the same experience. And then you have a guy like myself or yourself grew up playing these games and we're fine. You know, we're fine. I wouldn't say I'm fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> all it's all it's a relative term. Yeah, fine enough. Fine enough. Yeah. Fine enough. <laughs> but I want to also bring up the social media addiction that's happening today. Do you think that what was going on back in the Atari days and the arcade games those days? Do you think that progressed or translated into social media addiction? Do you think that there's something nefarious going on behind the scenes there? Oh, yeah. I, and the kids at, at um, Restart believe that. They okay. believe, and they were using the term gamified, that everything, you know, Instagram, all that stuff is gamified. Once again, has no effect on me in any negative way. I use it for the right reasons, and that's that. But I truly, I have seen people, just like you have, addicted. They cannot put their phones down. They have to constantly swipe on Instagram. There are scores and all this stuff, and that's going to happen in the virtual world. Look, I'm, I'm interested in designing a, a virtual app that has games within it. It's really a cinema app, but it's going to be so much fun. And I think certain, I think the virtual world might break this a little bit, but then again, who knows who's putting stuff into that world? And now you have this headset on, and now it's affecting you like directly into your eyes. you know. And, it, and, and this information is going in, and I've played some weird things in VR. Uh, you know, it seems like the Wild West right now, a little unregulated, so you don't know where this stuff is coming from. I, I don't believe it, that, that you played some weird games in VR. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, you just don't seem like the type. <laughs> no, I, lo I, I, I can't say I'm addicted, but I, I love it. I really think it's amazing, only because I grew up like wishing that stuff would be in existence, and now it's here. And yeah. Think about where it's going to be in, in five years, ten years. It's going to be like Ready Player One. It's crazy. Yeah. 
So uh, we we talk about this this game Polybius, and was it uh, sort of distributed by the U.S. government as an experiment? And in the episode, the, there's, a, there's a fellow who discusses uh, men in black types who come into these uh, arcades and they go into the back and ch- and check out the paperwork. Check out the, the, yeah, the, the motherboard <laughs> on the uh, on the games. Yeah, and and I that that part seems a little far fetched to me because I'm just like I don't right. understand where the research I'm goes. Sure yeah, I just don't well, understand what what happens. Oh, go ahead. With I'm that. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I I just don't understand what happens with that research. Like if if you get printouts, like you know what I mean. Like what kind of things are would the government be learning? Well, they're learning who is susceptible and who is uh, easily suggestive, or who who can be open to being uh, a member of say uh, an elite operative like you know some some dark level of the CIA so or that's something. what the plan is there oh, I'm, I'm totally being a oh, no I th- this is good. let's play this out because <laughs> yeah. because in that scenario then the government would have to somehow find out who that kid was through their records or something like that and then track him down and then get him to become that operative also, one thing I was thinking mm-hmm. of about this is every arcade owner, wouldn't they have made a deal with these men in black types to say, okay, yeah, bring in Polybius, uh, come in every week and get the printouts in the back and then take it away after after Brian uh, Brian Done Morrow Brian Morrow oh, plays oh, his, yeah. plays asteroids for twenty eight straight hours and uh, has and seizures. Falls, yeah, falls uh, victim to sure. Seizure. And again, all of the, the all right. So the urban legend of Polybius could also be part of the spin, could also be part of the thing that distracts people sure. from right. the real case. And that's happened a lot. You know, if you do your research on a lot of these conspiracies, sometimes they have this ridiculous, like the Montauk Project. Think about it. At its, at its center, the Montauk Project, the thing I believe happened is that boys, runaway boys, were taken as human subjects in some kind of weird mind control experiment. 100% believable, okay? And, and the perfect location for it, and there's evidence to support some things there for sure. The crazy story is the monster, the, the aliens, the cricket people, all the things that I've heard over the years that are underneath the big... Yeah. You know, like praying mantis people. Yeah. Yeah, there's one of the dudes saying, oh, yeah, 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 they're all there. So it's a whole mm-hmm. menagerie of aliens and monsters and everything that happened down there. That's the front. That's the thing that to, to say, you know, to put out in the world and say, well, that didn't happen. Yeah. You know, most people are going to say, okay, come on. But really, here's this weird part where kids are being kidnapped and, and experimented upon. So the case of Polybius is the same. It's this crazy story, men in black. It's like, all right. Men in black, why why would these guys dress up with sunglasses and, and I mean, suits and walk into a dark arcade? Yeah, they're not blending in. You know, every <laughs> kid is going to be like, who are these guys? <laughs> why is my dad so, here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I don't believe that happened. And if there were men in black, they were probably dressed up as servicemen or something like that. But, you know, we portray it as this archetype. So yeah. it's just obvious. Like, here's this thing that people said happened. Um, but I... Were, were kids being monitored while they were playing Polybius? Uh, you know, I think maybe somebody, some kind of plant was put in there. Who knows? Maybe it looked like a, a kid in his late teens or his early 20s, but he was older and he was watching. You know, he blended in with the crowd. Sure. Or a camera somewhere or, you know, something to record what was going down. Yeah, I, I thought you were... the arcade owners didn't know. They just thought this was another black cabinet. Right. right. Well, I mean, they, they, yeah, a government agent could have uh, driven a truck and dropped off Polybius and acted like he was from a, a new a new company that's developing video games. You know yeah, what I mean? Acme Arcade or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I thought you were going to bring up Brian Dunning, the skeptic, who yes. really countered a lot of uh, the the um, theories about this. And what that ended up doing was opening up the whole, you know, there's something behind the curtain. There's a sleight of hand here because he was saying, yeah, someone who's that young after playing a video game for 20 plus hours is probably going to have a seizure. Yeah, you know, that for, <laughs> drinking Coke drink and playing asteroids with flashing lights all around. Like you're yeah. sort of asking for a seizure. And then he was saying that, you know, you could have people coming in as service people and they're servicing the machine. But all that does is just add to the distraction of what could really be going on. So I think that's a great thing about the show is that you you introduce this counter argument, but then you you go deeper on that and you say, well, maybe this maybe what what they're doing is taking advantage of something that looks like it's yeah. uh uh, covert, uh, like a covert operation, certainly opens your mind. Right, and that's the yeah. way they think. That's the way they think. They're thinking on many levels of deceit that we don't normally think on. That's their job. They're you know super geniuses who think on layers and layers and layers of deceit. That's how. Uh, looking back at these government programs, that's how they got away with it. Yeah, you know, they were just confusing you and then putting layers and layers of lies and stories to cover up the real thing. I like Brian. Uh, I think he's a nice guy. I, you know, I've met many skeptics, and some of them are just jerks. Like they're committed <laughs> to being jerks. You know, it's, sure. they don't want to look at anything. They don't want to take a look at some things that were proven. Because then, here's where I like. I don't. When I say I don't want this stuff to be real, meaning if this stuff is real, there's some really bad stuff happening around us right now. If it's all, if the Montauk Project is real and Polybius is real. We're, you know, we're in trouble, kind of, because we've got these bad guys that are watching us, that are preying on us, that are manipulating us. When you say they, who are you referring to? And I think I even asked that in our last interview. There's this they that's out there. Who who are they? Well, there's a lot of different they's, but in this case, the they would be that part of, you know, the deep kind of, Hidden government that we've been able to prove existed in the past. You know, like Bill Clinton apologized for one of those they's in 1996 that they conducted the Tuskegee medical experiments and were lying to these gentlemen, giving them syphilis, and then monitoring them and letting them pass it on to their families. This is some evil stuff. And it was a they was part of our government at the time who decided that they would do this stuff. Yeah. And they had happened many, many times. They take the form of uh, all of these people that abuse power, that uh, somehow think that they're above the law and above humanity and above morals. And they think they're doing something for science, for the good of science. Well, they need our permission to do that. And they didn't ask for permission. And that's some evil stuff that they did. And uh, they should be, I mean, they should be punished for it. And they should never happen again. That's how I feel. This is this is why I love talking to you, because I really thought that that was a, a, a softball question. It was a throwaway <laughs> question. And and I love how fired up you you yeah. had. You, had a, you, you referenced Bill Clinton from the 90s. I don't know how you just did that. I love it. <laughs> True, though. And... Uh, I wanted to give Brian Dunning a special shout out. He's uh, one of our uh, podcast brethren. Uh, True. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't know him, but uh, he's a fellow podcaster. So, uh, and he does a show called Skeptoid. So that was pretty cool that you uh, you spoke with him. He does not believe Polybius existed, but again, Nolan Bushnell, co-founder of Atari, does. I mean, I think that yeah. that's kind of mind blowing to me. 
Yeah, he, he reminded me of Donald Sutherland. Yeah. But he's, uh, he, he was, again, if he believes it, and again, he confirmed that the government, U.S. government, was working with Atari. Yes. On Battlezone, on other games. So it's hard, you know, like, look, we've discovered uh, covert projects and, and weird conspiracies in the past by not being skeptics. You have to have a healthy skepticism. You can't believe every guy who comes up to you and says that, uh, you know, uh, I saw praying mantis people. And they're like, I know you did. I feel it. Like you can't, but you have to say, well, okay, this is all crazy stuff, but why is it that people are looking into this thing? And that's what kept me on the Montauk project. In the case of Polybius is, yeah, it sounds kind of a, a, a funny you know, story, but I know so much about these government conspiracies and these, these mind control operations that they actually did exist that how could you dismiss uh, something like this? They would do something like they, the they that creates these things would say, perfect. Well, you know, if we want to, if they, if they were interested in creating some kind of mass mind control thing, why wouldn't they start affecting kids? Get them all beyond, you know, affect them. These kids are at that time flocking to the arcades. And then as we, we transfer forward into the home gaming systems and kids play for hours and hours, days at a time, and you saw the kids in restart, they're in a rehab center because they couldn't put these things down. And they, they, they all insist now coming out of it, coming off of drugs, they insist that there was other influence. They really all collectively felt that way. So I think, you know, uh, with all due respect to Brian, you know, like being a skeptic, you know, I like like the amazing Randy, I like Brian, I think they're interesting guys. And, and we need those guys because there are so many liars out there. And I think it's important that we call out the liars. But I think a great skeptic would consider some of these other things, you know, would kind of brush away the, 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 uh, the fabricated edges yeah. and kind of look at it for what it could be. You know? Yeah, I think you're right, and the fact that Nolan Bushnell says that that Atari was working with the U.S. government at one point to develop video games to train um, people in the military, and uh, and Atari backed out of that deal after after doing it for some time is is mind blowing to me, and I think backs up a lot of what this episode discusses. And Chris, I want to bring this up. It's a uh, it's a it's a fact that I started. Uh, I wanted to look into after hearing that about Atari and working with the government to train youth. And I and I was thinking, well, why would they want to do that? So I looked up when the uh, draft ended in the United States, and it ended. It was there was uh, a motion put into effect in 1971. They extended it to 1973, and Atari was invented in 1972. So what? right around Holy the same time shit. that the draft ended, where you couldn't just mail a letter to a 17 year old kid and say you're you're now in the military. That's that was that was going by the wayside. This is a whole new way to to introduce kids to battlefields and and you know tanks getting behind the wheel of a tank are we gonna blow the lid off this thing right now yeah do you do you think there's a yeah yeah no you're you're getting to something now think about this so i'm playing stuff in the in vr now we're all playing it right the oculus quest sold out you i mean you have weapons you have to hide behind things you have to shoot you have to be a sharpshooter an expert marksman to like win at these games so all of these people all these kids are being trained I'm offering a little science fiction. What if eventually you have, you're basically the controller of an AI that's going into a battlefield. And now 
you know, so, soldiers aren't getting wounded anymore. That's a thing of the past. That's too delicate. You know, our bodies are too delicate. Forget the suits. Why don't we just send AIs in and we operate them like drones in the virtual world and you go to war? Uh, that could be something, the training. You're, you're right. Like, draft ends and we're bombarded with, you know, a few years later, G.I. Joes, you know, getting war into our heads, all this stuff. I, why not? You know, like, why wasn't there? And then all of us want to join the military after that because we're, we're, we're raised on this, you know, like we're constantly hours at a time, floor level, eye level with these toys, having war games all the time, the video games, you know, like what's uh, Metal Gear and some of these other games that everybody's playing. Uh, what, what's the big, uh, uh, the military uh, game that everybody plays uh, you know, online? Fortnite? No, is that? What is uh, that? Well, oh, oh, Call Fortnite of Duty? Is a fighting game, but, Call of Duty? Uh, Call of Duty. Call of Duty, okay, so the, perhaps one of the most popular games that are training people in war, and, you know, there's, is there something to that? Question these things. Um, and again, I'm not against these games. I think they're fun. But is there another agenda there? Is there something else priming us? Is there some other influence or some other brain behind the thing? And we need to question this. We have to. Well, we're going to get into a more uh, frightening part of the show, which I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it, it was you, you threw another device on your head when you met with Ramses Alcade. Yeah, Ramses Alcade of Norable. Norable. He's a comic book villain waiting to happen. <laughs> is <Dr. Ramsey. laughs> Yeah. And I don't mean to offend him if he's listening. <laughs> like, it's a joke. But, yeah. Well, he's the hero right now. You're saying that he could yeah. become a bad guy. I mean, you got that power in Look your hands. Look at Dr. Octopus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's a Norable is out of Boston, and he has figured out a way to harness your brainwaves into almost virtual telekinesis. It's like the yes. it's like the Riddler yes. from Batman Forever. Like uh if if he was a villain, he would be Riddler from Batman Forever. Yeah, yeah. Or Dr. Octopus. <laughs> I mean like you know, great intentions. I'm he likes a Dr. Developing a new technology and yeah. And now I have telekinesis. Right. Yeah, I just I picture him like sucking in all the like every time you thought to change uh something in the game that you played I just feel like maybe he gets some of that brain energy. I'm just kidding. It's a complete joke, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, no, he's awesome, actually. Yeah. I, I really appreciate uh, Dr. Ramsey and yeah. everybody over at New Orleans. That I, game uh, seemed amazing, yeah, though. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> going into his virtual system and what he and his colleagues invented, uh, it's not being operated with my eyes or a hand controller like you know the VR that I'm using now. Uh, it is being operated with your brain. It's it's literally virtual telekinesis. You are thinking something, and it is happening. So in a few years, less, that technology is going to be incorporated into our games. So let's say, for instance, the Star Wars game, which is off the wall in the, in Oculus Quest right now. I mean, you have a lightsaber in your hand. You do Jedi training. You're you're fighting. I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, so now you can have telekinesis in that world. You're thinking and you're moving yeah. things. You know, like Luke is moving the, the ship when he's sitting there with Yoda. It's like, you know, you're going to have that in the virtual world. You're, you're going to literally be able to think and make something move. And that is amazing to me. But it begins with the the uh, analysis and reading of your brain waves, just to begin in layman's terms, through this device. So if it's reading your waves, could it put suggestion in your head? 
And when I ask that question to the good doctor, again, he's doing this with the best intentions. He's not thinking about this evil stuff. But who's funding it? Why do they want the doctor to come up with this stuff? Yeah. What are they going to do with it once he invents it? And that, those are my true questions. And bringing us to over to Erin Vasquez, she believes that this is an open door for uh, those intentions, for sure. They could happen. Yeah. You need good people like Ramsey's behind uh, this really powerful technology because a lot of people haven't even caught up to what it's capable of, you know? Sure. Sure, and, I, and I'm not suggesting at all that he really, truly will be. I'm <laughs> <It's a laughs> no. joke, and it's fun, but yeah. I think he'd laugh at it. But um, no, I think he's what he's designing is is amazing, yeah. and and for us, you know, it, it, we would never think about using it for for bad. But these, if your imagination goes that far, we've read these comic books, we've read about these villains. Well, now we're in a world where we don't even know what's fantasy and reality anymore. And all of these technologies are real and are coming to fruition. And there are bad guys out there. And there are mad scientists out there that would love to get their hands on this stuff. And, you know, it seems like we're going to be living in that comic book universe soon. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, simulation. And uh, you meet this guy named Jim Elvidge. And uh, he believes that we are living in a simulation. Yes, he does. And a few other uh, brilliant minds believe that as well. I, that's that's a difficult thing to wrap your head around. And at first, it's kind of depressing because yeah. um, the suggestion is that we are in some kind of simulation designed by some advanced alien uh, consciousness. And so you're like, well, wait a second. No, I'm an individual. I have my own mind. I, I'm real. And um, I don't... I wasn't designed by somebody's imagination, but if you are at all religious or you believe in a higher force that's guiding us, it's essentially the same thing. You know, like if you believe in God, God's an alien, really, I mean, like an alien consciousness that apparently designed us. So a lot of people are against this way of thinking because it goes against their, their security of religion, but it really essentially is the same thing. And I think Jim was establishing that in the conversation he's saying you know if you find comfort in a higher force if you find comfort in the idea of an afterlife it really is just linguistically you know different but essentially the same thing you know he's just saying the same thing on on a on a a techno uh language right now you know he's saying it in a in a current language and not this archaic language of you know these old tones of religion is is he starting a religion i understood it at the end of the conversation yeah. Uh, is he is he starting a religion? <laughs> so, I mean, he, uh, he's, he's, uh, it sounds pretty persuasive. I'm in. Sound, sounds like one pamphlet away from being a, a demigod. <laughs> yeah, well, L. Ron Hubbard did it. Right, yep. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, it's an interesting conversation, and and obviously we get to religion when when uh, you start talking about that. But I, I liked his point, though, that you just brought up that uh, it's actually easier to believe that we're living in a simulation and when you die, then, you know, you're part of a different consciousness that's bigger and understands this whole thing as opposed to nothing at all and your consciousness ending. I like it. I'm in. If, Where do I sign? Yeah. If, yeah. If we yeah are no, I don't, by the end of it, yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't against it. I'm not afraid it. of it. Yeah. If if we're living in the advanced experiment of an alien being, do you think that they sort of implemented the concept of religion 
and a Bible and Jesus and all of that, do you think that that was implemented in this program for us to have something to give an answer to when we die? When the, when the uh, end happens? Definitely food for thought. Mm. Uh, if if we were if we were all to agree that we are in this alien consciousness, but it really is kind of the same story anyway. Yeah. You know, like uh, to me, it's the same thing. All right, here's here's a, here's a cool example that I, I paid attention to. So, uh, and I'll, I'll mention this as quick as possible. So Roger Ebert, you know, the film critic, one of his favorite movies was Dark City, and the and Dark City was the idea of the simulated reality that mm-hmm. these aliens had everybody on a the movie dark city, Alex Broyes' film. They had everybody on this kind of alien ship in the middle of space, making them think they really lived on earth in this city. And they were constantly manipulating them and mind controlling them. And, you know, all these aliens are moving them around. So Ebert loved that movie so much. He even did a commentary on the, on the DVD when it came out. So flash forward to when Ebert was passing away, uh, you know, he was at some therapy session and he just sat on his bed and laid down and he said to his wife, this is all one great hoax. And then he passed away. Damn. Those Weird, were, right. Those were his last words. Mo- I mean, like absolutely love dark city. So I, I always put that together and thought, you know, maybe he saw something and kind of let his wife know it, that uh, he saw, he saw through it, saw through the veil for a second before he left. Well, you know, Steve Jobs had uh, similar uh, last words when he died, and he was on that level of sort of tapping into the psyche of of humanity. Sure. I mean, yeah, he created, well, partly created the iPhones. What what did he say? He he repeated the words, oh, wow, three times, like as if he was seeing something uh, greater. Oh, wow. Yeah, he said it three times, and then he died. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Interesting. So who knows? Who knows what what's out there? I think it's so incredible that you start this show and you know let, let us know if this is something that the production had intended, but you start this show looking for this mythological arcade game and the you're you're introduced to to Logan Bowden who runs Quarter Quarter World and we start with this seemingly I, I guess hunt for Polybius. Hunt for Polybius, and then it ends with: Are we all some sort of mechanism in a higher alien experience? I think it's a pra- a praying mantis alien, though. Probably, probably. But <laughs> are 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 you aware of this direction when you start doing this episode? And and by the way, like you you pack all this in in forty five minutes, and and you go on this incredible journey from oh, does this potential government experiment on children exists to what's our existence at all. <laughs> you know, that's, that's an incredible. Well, all of those. Yeah. All of those concepts are discussed in, in pre-production development. I, I picked all these topics, but then you know how it is. It's just an enormous collaboration. And so you, you're, you're dealing with all of these brilliant minds collectively executing the idea that, that we started with. And so these concepts were discussed before we went forward, but then we were discovering things as we went. And so really it was in post-production, ultimately, I think that the, the structure was, um, you know, once we got, we went out there and we collected all of the information and we talked to all the people. It was when it was silent and post that I think what you're talking about kind of came together. Yeah. Now, if you, if you actually found a Polybius, you probably would have, uh, 
experience, experience that a little bit more, maybe instead of that other direction. But now I, I also understand that there were other Polybius games that were created in years after, um, sort of, sort of just using the same name. Yeah, now there it's celebrated as this pop culture, you know, arcade legend. So I mean, you can I think there's a Polybius app. You can just download it and play it. Oh, cool. Um, I made a fake Polybius um, uh, out of Tempest, and so I've used it in some of the little trailers I made and stuff. And, uh, oh, cool. You know, I mean, a lot of people have done that. A lot of people are taking old cabinets and kind of just making their own version. Uh, and, and then there are game designers that are making it and incorporating it into arcade cabinets. So now, you know, it really doesn't matter anymore. And Polybius is, I think, something that's going to exist in the virtual world. I think any idea, because again, we're going to have technology now that we have these headsets that I used at Nurable in your home, in every home. And it's going to be reading your brain patterns. And it could be putting suggestion in. I I played some weird stuff in VR and very suggestive things too, like telling you to say a word or clap your hands or do something at a certain moment. Um, That's all suggestion. And where is it coming from and why, you know? At one point in this episode, you were led on a bit of a chase because there was a lead that Polybius existed and you could find it. This was in Portland, Oregon, correct? And how did that come to you? It was... Seemed pretty sudden. Yeah, uh, we asked around, and then we put some stuff on some local uh, Reddit boards, and got some replies from people. Some a lot of people were just saying it's yeah, it's not true. But just because someone's saying it's not true doesn't mean they really know if it's true or not. And I mean, how many? Like, you can't trust the word of just every person that says something on you Reddit. Have to keep looking, especially with something like this. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> people are going to say anything they want. You know, like uh, some people have no control in life so they're going to want to control something and uh, a lot of people just you know do it on the internet but i i wanted to look for this thing i wanted to genuinely see if we could find a cabinet i did i think we were going to find one no but when we hear hey you know i i know of this i have a lead i'm going to give you a a, you know a, a key to this this warehouse locker that we have and there's a bunch of old arcade parts and it might be in there i'm willing to look I think the cool thing was I hadn't seen uh, Battlezone in a long time, and we found, you know, there was a, a cabinet for Battlezone in there, which was a game that was designed by the government, and uh, I didn't know it was in there until we got in there. And um, did I think we were going to find Polybius? Uh, not really. I didn't think we would. Do you feel like you've searched hard enough in there? Do you do you feel like if you got, had an opportunity to go back for a little bit longer, you might be able to find it? Maybe it was. Um camouflage somehow seemed like a maze but uh you were definitely like a mess yeah like you were definitely going through like uh you know ducking around and going through little tunnels yeah yeah we weren't there long enough in my opinion to really search because there was so much stuff in there uh i wanted to look through all those boards we could have had them analyzed but again we don't have a lot of time do, the, do i feel like some of the cabinets still exist i don't know i think they would have been carefully confiscated I don't know if they would have ended up in a warehouse somewhere. I yeah. think if these things were really designed and they were test phases to control people, I think they were all confiscated. I agree, because it did sound like that they were all picked up at the same time. And and obviously, in, in the episode, it kind of 
makes it seem like it was right after the Brian Morrow, um, the seizures that the 12 year old boy had after playing asteroids for 28 straight hours. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this was really some kind of government experiment distributed by a government guy pretending to be a, you know, an a video game designer guy, then they would have just picked them all up and we'd never find one unless someone from that program defected with the, the video game, you know? Right. And I, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe there was suggestion put into Tempest, you know, maybe there was suggestion put in the later games and Polybius was just something that they were using to see if it worked. Have you been back in touch with the person who contacted you with the uh, with the warehouse full of the old games? No, and the only reason why is honestly just time. We had uh, you know seven other episodes to make, and just had to go forward with it, and just had to keep going. I mean, it was it was six months on the road making the show, nonstop work. And, yeah. Um, I would have loved to have spent more time on some of these other subjects. Would well, love to. much but like the uh, much like the invitation for the God Helmet, we will invite the person who contacted you for this to contact us, and maybe we'll have a special uh, Beyond Strange World episode where we <laughs> podcast out of that yeah. uh, particular Perfect. storage facility. Yeah, honestly, I think that connection. I'm pretty sure that connection came from uh, the gentleman we spoke to at the that owned the arcade. I, I think it came from him. Oh, so, okay. Pixar, it didn't happen, yeah. bro. I'm not buying the Polybius is there. <laughs> T-shirt or it didn't happen. <laughs> now, my most important question is, um, was there any set dressing done to Nolan Bushnell's uh, environment when you were Skyping with him? Because the background not of that his, I knew it. My God, that's exactly what I thought or what I hoped his uh, area would look like. It Seems is a bit cluttered. Sh- just shelves of old computer parts. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. No, the first time I saw that is when I got on the Skype with him. And I even mentioned that to um, uh, Nate Horowitz and Ryan Rude, the cinematographers. And I said, guys, did you give him some pointers? And they, they, I think they said no, because I was like, wow, you lucked out. It looked great. Perfect room. It's exactly what you'd expect Nolan Bushnell's room to look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things were on our side, you know, like yeah. to get him for that interview was fantastic. All right, so I wanted to conclude this episode by uh, asking you guys if you if you still play video games or what your favorite video game uh, of all time is. My favorite video game of all time. I, I you know honestly, I mean, I really loved outside of the VR world. I thought The Last of Us was just fantastic. Um, but I'm I'm a pinball guy, believe it or not. Oh, pinball, pinball wizard. Yeah, totally. I, I I I love it more than video games, but um, they're so expensive. So I play. Uh, they have a VR pinball arcade. Oh, really? So I've been in there playing pinball. Yeah, it's, yeah, you have to try this. I don't know if you tried the Oculus Quest, but no. I kind of felt bad talking about it to the guys at uh, at um, Restart because you know it's it's like going into a drug rehab center and talking about a new drug. It's like. Yeah, their, their eyes lit up when I talked about the Oculus. You know, I felt yeah. pretty bad about that. Yeah, yeah. And I look back, I'm like, oh no, what am I selling these kids? You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna talk about like a new a new beer for, in front of an alcoholic and be like, oh, it's so yeah, good. that's yeah. exactly what I oh. did. I'm like, oh, <laughs> summer day, crack one of oh, these. My God, it's so amazing. They're all like leaning forward. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, wait a second, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Yeah, my my favorite game that I've been playing a lot of lately is this one called Polybius. I don't know if you've heard of it. What? You've been playing Polybius? Yeah, I got one in my garage. <laughs> oh, my God. Found <laughs> it on eBay. Well, listen, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm warning you. You shouldn't be playing that game. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I dare you to play it. <laughs> I'm an independent thinker. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Polybius shows up in VR, you know, as a, as a goof, but as yeah. a game, too. Well, I, I love uh, Best Fiends. That's my favorite game. Oh, yeah, Best yeah. Fiends. Best Fiends. I've been playing that a little bit lately. Best I Fiends love is it. great, and yeah. it's good for a um, like a plane ride or if you're a passenger in a car, yeah. you just pass the time by. Just take a break for a few yeah. minutes, hop on Best Fiends. <laughs> but uh, oh, I also like it. Madden. Yeah, Madden. I, I, can't, I, I, do, I, I do find myself getting addicted to games, and then I just will delete it. You know, if, if that happens to me, I just delete it cold turkey, and I'm done. Yeah, you know, so that that has happened over the past few years. But Madden, I still stick with Madden and Best Fiends. Well, I mean, Madden is a government Madden, program Madden to an uh, old favorite to, to train yeah. you to be a football player. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna join the Patriots uh, this season. Well, damn it, Christopher! Once again, you have opened my mind up to dark closets and corridors that I didn't want to traverse, but I do appreciate it and. I will forever question my very existence. And we're only on episode two. You must. You must. We're, we're all going to live to see something so strange happen. Uh, no pun intended. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to live to see technology change, human enhancement, androids, um, alternate realities. We're going to live to see all of that. You have to consider, as difficult as it may be and as upsetting as it may sound, you must consider that the people you think are the heroes might be the villains, and the people you think are the villains might not be so bad. And I do consider that sometimes. And, hey, some of the heroes might be heroes. But what recent years have also shown me is that people we thought were wonderful people were evil. And so I am like, wow, I don't know who to trust. Uh, especially public figures. I don't know who to trust. I don't know if they're all in it together. That's a possibility. Because it's, it's all on display for us. Why? Ask yourself this question, why? Why is all of this on display? Why? Why are all their arguments constantly like on display for us? Mm. Why, are, why is this being shown to us? And a lot of people don't question that. They just take it as normal. And uh, it's being shown to us for a reason. You know? Um, so I, I think about that. And I don't jump to any conclusions because I don't have one yet. I'm just watching and observing and trying to keep my own mind. You know, like that's the most important thing. Keep your own individual thoughts. Separate yourself from the tech. It, this is how I get to enjoy games. I play them and I put them down. Don't be lost in all this stuff all the time. Don't be lost on all of these social networks, you know. Um, and then what's wonderful about your business and your art and your podcast is that these discussions encourage people to think and um you know we need it we need stuff like this we need to talk about these things we, we need do. to keep an open mind we do well you've done it again christopher garitano you've made us think we've expanded our minds with strange world <laughs> and uh check it out on travel channel sundays at 10 p.m eastern so thank you very much christopher for joining us thank you 